0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion we're in Acts chapter 7 and remember we left off Friday where we saw the uh, arrest of Stephen uh, who was a newly appointed deacon so shortly after being ordained uh, into the church as a deacon he is here in this chapter martyred now a couple things we need to know about this chapter one it's very long uh, one of the longer chapters I suspect Uh, but really in terms of content uh, it's it's quite brief that is to say that the the first uh, majority. Uh, let me see here. The the first let's say 50 verses are a summary of the Old Testament, and then verses 51 to 53 is is Stephen's condemnation of Jewish leadership, and then uh, verses 54 to 60 um, is is the real. Uh, narrative purpose of it. So the purpose of Stephen's this story of his martyrdom, uh, because he's not a developed character. He shows up as a, to, to be ordained as a deacon, and then he um, um, is arrested for preaching, and then he stands trial. So, so, so the purpose of this story is first uh, the telling of the first Christian martyr. Uh, that's important. But it really sets up the story of Paul. So as important as Stephen is, Uh, This is really going to um, uh, develop the story that will unfold of Paul, who was originally a persecutor of Christians and becomes a Christian himself. So what I want to do is actually just summarize uh, his sermon. This is one of the longer sermons in Acts, maybe the actual longest. Uh, Acts has several. The first one we saw was in Acts chapter 2 with Peter, the day of Pentecost. This is another lengthy one. and There will be a few others, particularly with Paul's testimonies, uh, the latter third of of the book. Uh, but what he does is he, he offers a biblical theology of the Old Testament. He walks us through the biblical story, start with Abraham, and concluding with um, David and Solomon. So he starts here with Abraham there in verse uh, 2, uh, that God called Abraham out of Ur, and then later after Haran, and there he settled among uh, the people of uh, in the land of Canaan. Uh, he mentions briefly Isaac there in verse 8 uh, that Isaac became the father of Jacob Jacob the 12 patriarchs and, and that sets up verse 9 the patriarchs jealous of Joseph so so we have uh, the 12 um, sons of Jacob the 12 tribes of Israel uh, the most notable one is Joseph because uh, Joseph is the reason why the Israelites are found in Egypt uh, which sets up the story of Moses. Uh, so Moses is mentioned starting in verse 17. So in verse 18, there arose in Egypt a king who did not know Joseph. This leads to the story of Moses. The story of Moses is quite long. It starts in 17 and it it, it goes down uh, really to um, verse 43. It's quite lengthy. A couple things to, to note about the story of Moses. It um, mentions the land of Midian uh, in verse 29. Uh, the burning bush is in verse 30 and what follows from there. Starting at verse 35 is Moses' confrontation with, with, with Pharaoh and the wilderness experience. And, and this is going to be um, uh, Stephen's main emphasis. Now remember that the most significant event in the Bible outside of the cross the resurrection Jesus is the Exodus nar- narrative. For the Jew, this is the story that uh, really uh, is the core of their identity. Uh, they're an oppressed people. Uh, that God redeems, and He He always redeems, and He always sets them free because they are His people. So yes, the story of Abraham is important. Uh, you get circumcision and everything else, but with Moses, Moses is the redeemer and lawgiver, and and that is very important to them. So Stephen spends a lot of time on the story of Moses. Much of it is a retelling, uh, so so that's significant for scholars to to understand how did. 1st century Jews read and interpret the Old Testament narrative. But notice starting in verse 35. And this Moses, whom they rejected, that's going to be a theme in in, in Stephen's condemnation, right? You rejected Moses. Now you reject Jesus. So you reject Moses saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? Now, if if we take the time to read through the whole chapter, it were, it were Jewish men who said this to Moses when Moses murdered the Egyptian slave master. And so they say, who, who do you think you are? Uh, you're, you're not ruler and judge over us. And so Stephen's going to make the point that just as your forefathers did, your ancestors did, you're doing it now. Except now there's a true and better Moses. And so, um, so you see it there. You rejected Moses, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared him in the in the bush, which I think is Jesus. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites. So so you've got the Old Testament context, right? The Jewish people rejected their redeemer, who did wonders and signs in, in Egypt. The Jewish people reject their ultimate redeemer, the true and better Moses, who did wonders and signs throughout Israel. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Uh, This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel, who spoke to him at Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, he received living oracles to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. And then we get the story of uh, the golden calf. So notice what he's saying here is, Moses said, one is coming after me who is greater than me. A true and better Moses. And and Stephen's arguing, look, if, if our forefathers put Moses to a side, guess what you have done to the one who's better than Moses? You've put him to the side. And, and just as your forefathers turned to the Egyptians, so you have turned to false idols. Um, verse 44, he looks at the uh, tabernacle. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness. That's just the tabernacle. It's a portable uh, temple. Um, So he mentions Joshua. At the end of verse 45, he mentions David. Verse 47 is Solomon. So you see he's going through the Old Testament really quickly. Uh, But this is his climax, right? This is his uh, invitation, if you will. You stiff-necked people. (laughs) That, uh, that is not how you make friends, uh, and gain influence. Right? Uh, this is fire and brimstone. Uh, the original fire and brimstone preacher. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Of course, there he's picking up on the language of the prophets, who who would say that you are circumcised physically but uncircumcised spiritually. You're not part of the covenant. You 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 have you have uh, kept yourself out. Um, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So as the Spirit was at work through Moses, so the Spirit is working through Jesus and the early church, you continue to resist the work of God. Um, but he, full, uh, I'm sorry, uh, skipped ahead. Verse 52, um, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now, according to tradition, Stephen's picking up with this, uh, the angels gave Moses the law. This shows up here and there in the New Testament and other um, pseudepigraphal writings. Um, But uh, what we need to see here is is he's saying that you have always rejected the work of God. So it is natural that we see you rejected the son of god now were there prophets they didn't persecute of course there were um, but he's saying there seems to be a pattern here that when that when god sends the prophets you reject and you deny them and so when god sends his son you do the same jesus tells a interesting parable that mirrors what stephen is saying here it's the wicked tenants you may remember that um, a rich landowner um, uh, basically rents out his, his his vineyard to workers who were to, to work it and then he would come and get the profit from it. This is typical arrangement in the first century agricultural world. And so he sends uh, servants to, to get the, the, the profit and they kill him and then they kill the next ones and the next ones and then eventually the owner says, I will send to them my son, the heir and they would treat him better. And the tenants say, look, this is the heir if we kill him then we will get the profits of this vineyard. And of course they, they kill him. And what does the the, the the landowner do? He comes in judgment. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is saying that Israel has a pattern of persecuting um, the, the ones that God has sent to them, to them. And they end up doing it to the son, the son of God. And God will respond in judgment. Stephen's making the same argument here right? that, that people reject the message and the ministry of God whether it be Moses or whether it be Jesus they still do it today well after he he condemns them publicly openly um i'm sure he was already kicked off twitter at this point verse 54 now when they heard these things they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him but he full of the holy spirit now now notice there that he is full of the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit isn't going to prevent him from suffering but the Holy Spirit will be with him through the suffering don't miss that it's a very important part we often think that uh, wrongly largely because of the prosperity heresy that if God is with us then then we're safe no actually in fact if God is with us we may still be in danger But we can and will persevere she's full of Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God Jesus standing at the right hand of God huge theological emphasis there by Luke isn't it because here we see uh, in Acts 1 Jesus ascending into heaven and where is Jesus but we see him here sitting in the right hand throne of God where he said he would be really with all authority and power this will show up again with the conversion of of Paul and he said behold i see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God and they cried out with a loud voice stopped their ears and rushed together at him then they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul that's the important part that really is the whole point of this chapter Yes, there is a, a calling to repentance that is important from Stephen. But in terms of the narrative, the most important part are the witnesses laying their cloaks down um, at the feet of Saul. A young man named Saul, who we know now as Paul. There's debate that he actually changed his name. Probably didn't, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but verse 59, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, what does that sound like? It's the same language Jesus uses, I believe in Luke's gospel uh, of Jesus upon the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The parallelism is, is, is important for us to see, and it's on purpose. Remember Jesus said that if they come after me, they'll come after you. And what do we see? The things they did to Jesus, they're now going to do to the church. We've already seen them arrest and abuse the apostles. They're now doing it to the deacons. And, and this persecution that will be led by Paul will lead to the spreading of the church throughout the Roman Empire. Right now, they're, they're, they're in Jerusalem. This, this is primarily where the church is. But because of persecution, it becomes a blessing from God to get the church outside the city gates among Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles. And so this is the beginning of that. Verse 60, And fallen to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus upon the cross. This is on purpose. Uh, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then the last half of the last verse, when he had said this, he fell asleep. Sleep is a common way that the New Testament describes death because of our hope of the resurrection. So if almost every burial I do, at least the burial of believers, uh, I make a big deal about the New Testament use of asleep. Um, we asleep. Uh, metaphorically, so that we can awake to the glory of God to be in His presence. Uh, so this is a common imagery. One Corinthians fifteen is full of examples of that. Well, this is the martyrdom of Stephen, um, and uh, it's 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 a, an important note uh, moment historically because it's the first martyr uh, of of the church, but it also opens the door for a lot of outreach and for a lot of souls to be saved. Uh, what is it that Ignatius said? That the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church still true today the only place where the church is not growing where christianity is not growing in the world is in the west america and europe there isn't persecution yet but it's coming and when it comes it may take a few generations but when it comes look out the church will be on the move again but everywhere else the church is growing particularly where the persecution is the hottest in fact the gospel coalition had a great article today detailing the rise of Christianity in Iran. We already know about it in China, India, and other places. But look out. The fastest uh, growing area of Christianity is in Iran. Suffering does not mean God is not among us. It may be the work of God amid our suffering. You don't need to look any farther than the cross. hope to see you guys here tomorrow.